0: with video games, the gaming podcast that strives for the right balance of coverage for games you play on your table and on your television. You can think of us as the PlayStation 5 and Xbox Series X of gaming podcasts. We're a proud member of the PSVG Podcast Network and also to be part of the Dice Tower Network as well. I'm one of your hosts, Kyle, and joining me on this co-op adventure, the refrigerator to my router, Josh, how are you doing this evening?
1: I'm good. I'm tired. You're generous calling yourself a router. You're more like... The monolith from 2001.
0: <laughs> I mean, that's pretty cool, too. I could go with that.
1: Uh, and I don't know if I'm the refrigerator anymore. I think I'm more of the router now, it seems.
0: <laughs> oh, that's true. That's true. So the day this podcast released is Xbox Series X slash S release day. Yeah. Some people already have them, though, because some places are shipping them early. Mm-hmm. So congratulations to those of you who might have it ahead of time. Hooray. So the reason, though, I wanted to kind of point this out is because, obviously, on Thursday this week is when the PlayStation 5 comes out, so my assumption will be next week's episode is probably going to be pretty video game focused. Mm, Probably, yeah. So there's a lot of board game topics on deck this week as a result of that, or at least that's why I focus mostly on board games this week, to try to balance things out, because I think next week... (laughs) <laughs> pretty, pretty focused on some uh, early impressions and initial impressions on some things. Uh, but before we get to the show as a proper, yeah. and I'm very excited to talk to you about Extra Life in a little bit, but my mm. first question for you, Josh. Were you very, very sad like I was to hear about Alex Trebek passing away?
1: I was, uh, to a degree. I think the problem is we kind of knew it was coming. We hoped it wasn't. Yeah. We knew he was fighting. Um, I think... The more the reason why I was more sad about it was because of what he went through. It's not like it was a quiet passing and without um inner turmoil or struggling. Like he was fighting this thing that kills like ninety percent of the people who get it. Right. And the fact that he you know fought as long as he did, I think was like surpassed a lot of what most people get while they're fighting it. Obviously he has access to probably better treatment than people who are suffering from pancreatic cancer but uh yeah it's terrible to think of how much pain he must have been in and and i remember like a month ago he 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 issued a statement saying like if he had to do another round of chemo he was just going to give up or something to that like right sentiment which was like devastating to read for anyone not just alex Trebek or a celebrity but you know to to just to hear a statement like that and be able to understand uh just even a fragment of how they must be feeling like it's it's devastating it's it's terrible it's a terrible disease that that takes so many people more and more now so it's a bummer but you know he uh he lived a good life and and he's in, one of the most well-known people on the planet, so I think he did good.
0: <laughs> yeah, I mean, you know, he, he's 80 years old, so definitely, you know, had a few years under his belt. Did you watch a lot of Jeopardy?
1: When I was younger, I did. I haven't watched a lot of Jeopardy recently, but I mean, I would say teens, teen years, I watched it a lot.
0: Okay. I, I don't know that I've ever met someone who hasn't at least seen an episode of Jeopardy.
1: Yeah, even in some form of media, even if they haven't right. seen it on TV, they they must have... They have at least seen clips of it because there's so many memes from Jeopardy as well.
0: Right. So even or, this
1: culture, would, even this current generation would have seen it.
0: Yeah, or SNL skits. And, yeah. <laughs> you know, some, some sort of reference to Jeopardy as a thing. The penis uh, mightier. Is... <laughs> <laughs> the pen is mightier indeed. Uh, Jeopardy is a thing that I watched... When I was younger, up through my teenage years, I don't want to say every day, but it seems like almost every day.
1: Yeah, it was like Jeopardy and Wheel of Fortune.
0: Yeah, Wheel of Fortune was never really common for me, but Jeopardy, my parents watched and my grandparents watched. Hmm. So no matter where I was, Jeopardy was always on when it was on television. The only thing that superseded it is if baseball was on. That was it.
1: We have a little gap between our ages, but were you a one set box, one TV household? 'Cause that's what we were like. So when my parents like Wheel of Fortune was on either before or after Jeopardy, and it was the lead-in to Primetime television. So it was on at 7.30. So yeah, so it was Wheel of Fortune at seven, and Jeopardy at 730. I'm having a Rain Man moment. And then uh <laughs> and then it was like Simpsons or Cosby Show or whatever we were watching. So that was the thing. Even if I didn't always watch Jeopardy, you always saw Final Jeopardy because you had to be in front of your TV. And sometimes shows started early or late, a couple by like a couple minutes, and you didn't want to miss the beginning. Because back then you would never see it again. Some shows didn't even do reruns. So that's why I think, at least for 80s, 90s kids like Jeopardy, everyone saw it because. That's the only way you like could watch your shows is by catching the end of Jeopardy.
0: <laughs> yeah, it is interesting though because for me, Jeopardy was the pre-dinner show. Jeopardy was always on at four thirty, oh, and are then Wheel of Fortune times. was always <laughs> on at six thirty. <630. laughs>
1: That's so bizarre.
0: Yeah, because we it was on, Jeopardy was on at four thirty, news was at five, national news at five thirty, local news again at six, Wheel of Fortune at six thirty. Jeez. Then evening television started at seven, and is it sad that I can remember that without like missing a beat? I know exactly that's the way it was.
1: It is funny that you say that. I mean, I guess nowadays I just assume everything runs on live time. So like Jeopardy bring, being being pre recorded, they can re- regionally run it whatever at time of the day they want. Cause yeah, we would hit. We had the five o'clock news and the five thirty news, and then there was like reruns between six and seven of like, like sitcoms, or I think sixty Minutes was on.
0: That was Sundays. Sundays, After yeah. Football, was and before X-Files. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Before X Files, yeah, yeah.
1: Before X Files. Yeah. Um. So yeah, yeah. It is interesting. This is <laughs> this is a board with everything. Topic. <laughs> it really is. It really is.
0: But yeah, I was just very sad to hear that. You know it. Man, Alex Trebek. R- realistically, like, a legend in in what he did.
1: Universally uh, well-liked on the level of Mr. Rogers, as far as you never heard a bad thing about the guy. And he always seemed to do good things.
0: But, man, did he sometimes...
1: Get angry really at his sl- contestants?
0: <laughs> yeah, like, really slammed the contestants in ways that <laughs> did seem like he was trying to, but, oh, goodness. I, I mentioned a couple weeks ago that... I had been watching a lot of Jeopardy! on Netflix mm-hmm. on this show when we were talking about things we had been watching or doing or was, during some segment. I had mentioned that I've been watching a lot of Jeopardy! On, on Netflix. And just now watching it, just how, just the digs you would do at contestants and talking about how, oh yeah, this season we haven't really had anyone who's gotten a really big win. Hopefully <laughs> one of you will change that today. And like the champion who has won three days in a row is there being like, what are you talking about? Like, what do you mean? You know? So I just I just always thought it was humorous. And then I was wondering how many of the answers to these questions did he actually know? Because he always acted like when somebody got something wrong that it was so obvious what the answer was supposed to be. Yeah.
1: <laughs> I don't know. I mean there there's that assumption that he must be one of the smartest people on the planet. I don't I don't I I'm sure he's a smart man he's probably uh and I I we had a conversation, I don't know if it was at work or through our Discord, but I ended up like googling his like college career and stuff like i was like just because he hosts jeopardy doesn't mean he can beat ken jennings like he just reads (laughs) cue cards like he might retain some of that um and i'm not saying that he couldn't be that smart but i i never had the impression that he was as smart as a jeopardy contestant
0: true i would agree i don't think he is either but i do think he is very skilled at being able to read those questions and pronounce all of the things that are on there. You know, I think that still is a, is a talent that not everyone could do, Uh, but I would agree. I don't know. He always had that flair
1: for accents. Yeah. He would just throw an accent and I don't even know if he knew if it was, he said it so confidently. (laughs) You, you would believe that's how French people spoke.
0: (laughs) Goodness gracious. So thanks for the memories, Alex Trebek. It was greatly appreciated. Uh, do, do you think they will recast a new host, or do you think this is the end of Jeopardy?
1: No, they'll recast. This is uh, one of those shows that will stand the test of time. Who I do mean, you think
0: would be the good new host? Uh,
1: well, there's already stuff going on online about Neil deGrasse Tyson.
0: Yeah, LeVar Burton I've seen thrown around a lot, too.
1: LeVar Burton would be great, too. He, could, he has that voice. He has that he reading rainbow <laughs> like yeah. background, uh, the rapport. Uh, it could be a lot of people. Uh, it could be Ken Jennings. Like, Why not? Ken Jennings, come on, yeah, a guy who legit probably does know the answers to all the questions he's asking you. That's and true. He he is always on a podcast I listen to. Doug loves movies. Um, he's always on, and he is super funny and very quick witted, and not at all how he like portrays himself on Jeopardy. Like, he even designed a board game. Like, come yeah, on, he did. <laughs> like Just recently, absolutely. And he's written like fifteen books, I think now. so so he'd be a great host i think
0: that's a good pick that's a good pick we'll see what they do i'm very interested to see who they select but hey that's been a long time to the show intro so let's get to the show proper thanks so much for joining us this week everyone as always if you have any feedback questions or suggested topics hit us up at board with vg on twitter or also over on instagram also board with vg we're a proud part of Play Some video games, and PSVG is on Patreon. We're absolutely thrilled with the support you have given us there thus far, and if you'd like to monetarily support what we do, you can find us there at patreon.com slash PSVG, but the most important thing is just that you listen and maybe share our show with someone who you think would enjoy it. We're also a member of the Dice Tower Podcast Network, so if you enjoy our conversations about board games and would like to dive deeper into that world... We encourage you to check out the Dice Tower podcast, as well as all the other members of the network. No matter what type of board games you enjoy, there's a podcast on the network that's right for you. Josh, really briefly, before we get to your first topic this week, speaking of the Instagram, Hmm. we just got a game in the mail, each of us. A little Kickstarter. Uh, Tidal Blades has been delivered. Yeah, my goodness, Josh, is that game incredible? Looking, just <laughs> Looking. packaging, everything in the box. It it looks good getting off the bus, if you would.
1: Yeah, it's uh, when you were talking about we probably be talking a lot about video games next week. I was like, well, my plan is to at least talk about one board game next week. <laughs> so we'll see how that plan works out. Um, but yeah, it's um, my um, my buddy came over today to pick up a TV I was giving him um, since we got the new one and. It ha- he happened to come over after it came, and I hadn't opened it yet. I was like, hey, look. <laughs> so I opened it, and he's like, oh, man, how much did you spend on this? <laughs> and I was like, I don't remember, honestly. <laughs> <laughs> but it was worth it. Uh, yeah, the production quality is incredible. Um, another game that uses game trays, right? So it looks it looks great. Um, uh, they <laughs> uh, my game, they bent a whole piece of a board, squeezing it into – Um, into the box. Like there's a part there's a part of the the game trays where they have they put a bunch of cardboard in so it's a nice tight fit when they ship it. But what happened was I guess they pushed a piece of a corner, like a winged corner of a board, like just almost like completely like a broken elbow bent up. Oh (laughs) no. So uh hopefully I can just flatten it out and it'll be fine. But um otherwise, yeah, production quality. Super high. It's also nice that they included the original pieces if you didn't get I mean we got the deluxe editions but it includes like the cardboard st- stuff in case you lose a piece, I guess or it's probably just easier for them to ship it all together. But uh yeah, I can't wait to crack into it. The rule book and the lore book and the art book are all huge. Uh but I know I can at least take the art book out of the box. Uh, I don't right. have to
0: keep that with the board game, <laughs> uh,
1: but I'm going to probably get to get to read tomorrow and hopefully get it to the table Wednesday night.
0: Awesome. Well, maybe I will try to get that done as well, then, so we can talk about it together. So with that, then, Josh, your first topic, I don't think is going to be a surprise to anyone. But before you talk about it, here's my question for you. Yeah. Since you ended your Extra Life stream. Yes. And now, have you slept yet?
1: <laughs> I did fall asleep on the couch with my son for like 15 minutes until he noticed I fell asleep and then jumped on me.
0: So, <laughs> since <laughs> you woke up Saturday morning- 5 a.m. on Sunday Saturday night. morning,
1: yeah. He woke, you he woke been, up yeah. at 5 a.m. on Saturday, so-
0: you, you have not been asleep since then?
1: No, not for more than 15 minutes.
0: Dang, yo. <laughs> okay, take us away, though, sir. So extra life.
1: This is probably that's probably a good setup for what could be me for the rest of the show. <laughs> if, <laughs> if I trail off, <laughs> uh, that could be that could be why. Uh, yeah, so uh, I figured my first topic could be just be an extra life recap. Uh, it's going to be a little different than last year's extra life recap because well, I didn't go to uh, Rome, New York this year, uh, and that's not the only difference. Last year, Kevin Austin of PSVG uh, Prime, or just PSVG in general, if you will, um, we met up with a bunch of podcasters and content creators uh, alike, and we um, we joined up with Extra Life last year for our first time, and that was with a team called Phoenix Overdrive. It was already established through a friend of the podcasting network um nasser as he is known in our as his handle is known um and he put this whole thing together we went up and and uh, had this college computer room set up and, and you know it was very social there was giveaways and all that kind of stuff so it was fun um but this year with covid we had this you know challenge in fact, I didn't even know if we were going to do it. Um, we didn't really get the ball rolling until maybe a month ago. Maybe, yeah, about a month ago. Maybe six weeks ago. Um, because we kept talking about doing it, and then the world kept getting crazier, and then it would like kind of slip our minds. Um, I don't know that it ever slipped our minds, but it just became something that we needed to get to, but other things were in our way. Um, because I do want to say that this is uh, – something uh, important to me. And, and I can't remember if I was talking to you or Donnie about this, but, um, when I used to work for Best Buy, like, uh, I used to do charity stuff all the time because it was presented as an opportunity, right? Like, um, we have a thing called the Pan Mass Challenge here where people ride bikes from Boston to Cape Cod and back or something crazy like that. We would volunteer and I would get a bunch of employees. We'd volunteer for Um, cancer walks, and things like that to help or even participate. So I always enjoyed doing that, you know, donating my time uh, to an organized cause that I know I can trust, at least that, you know, where my contributions are going. So um, it's been a long time since I've been able to do that. Uh, So when Extra Life came up last year, it was a great opportunity. And the fact that when you do Extra Life, you're doing it for your local children's hospital, which is huge, right? You're not just doing it for a giant, like conglomerate, uh, like company that goes, give us your money. We promise we'll give it to, uh, these people. Um, so that is nice. So that is what we did. So, uh, I sequestered myself in this room, my computer room yesterday, uh, Saturday morning at 10 AM, a little closer to nine. Um, uh, my wife doesn't listen to this but i should say uh, this would not have been possible without my wife's incredible help um taking a 3 year old on all day not only just all day by herself but having to limit his access to things which is probably the bigger challenge um and and then my folks for helping out briefly on, on sunday morning when he get up at 6 a.m. and i still had time still time ahead of me um and then yeah, it was. It's all about uh, asking friends and family to help out, right? I, it's always something I feel uncomfortable about. I, I like to do like the four, the five Ks and the, the walks and stuff because I'm contributing on my own. I always feel awkward about asking people. Um, but I think kids charity is easier to do that for. Maybe I don't know. Uh, so I started off with a three hundred dollar goal, and uh, a lot of friends and family helped out um i'm definitely the lowest uh fundraiser in our team uh which i should mention so because we didn't do phoenix overdrive this year because we weren't going there um and we were trying to get more um play some video games people involved like devin in california and garrett wherever he is and (laughs) (laughs) um uh and everyone else who joined us we figured Kevin and I were talking and we thought it would probably be better to do a place on video games team and just like talk to Phoenix or drive and explain why, and, you know, say like, we'll be happy to come back next year. If we could do it in person, I think I, I would still be happy to do that. Um, but, uh, we, as a team with a six person team, we were ranked in the top 200 teams in the country. Uh, we raised just over 5,000, uh, just, a, just over $5,000. Um, like not just over, just under 6,000, right? 5,745, I think, as was. It could be higher now. Um, for me, my goal was 300. Uh, it took me a little bit, a couple weeks. I hit it. Um, we got some awesome donations from our listeners, which was great. Uh, I then incentivized some things with my own money, uh, and time and did some giveaways or content, uh, created events. And, um, i raised our, my goal to 400 uh after we hit 300 and i i don't know if i told you but i feel weird like having a goal of 300 hitting it and then raising it another 100 because like wh- the one of our listeners donated to get me to 300 and then i was like and then i raised it to 400 so i'm like i hope this person doesn't feel like it was for nothing
0: well i don't i would venture to guess no a thank you to that listener who donated yes. but b you're also raising money for kids, right?
1: Yeah, it just feels like I just I feel more comfortable being like, hey, we hit our goal, let's keep going. But even Extra Life right. sends you an email going, hey, eighty uh, percent of the people who raise their goal end up hitting it versus people who just settle with reaching the goal. And I was like, ugh, I, ge- I guess I should do it then. <laughs> <laughs> but then when we when I hit four hundred, which was less than twenty four hours later than raising it to four hundred, I did decide to not raise it again. Um, and then this morning. Um, I think around eight AM I hit five hundred. So um I felt super accomplished and great. And and uh I don't see any of that money and I want people to know that. That's something that I that is purely going to for me, Boston Children's Hospital. Um and Kevin's going to Rhode Island, whatever one he has, and everyone who's doing theirs Kevin's an all star, you got over fifteen hundred dollars on his own. Um so we're very proud of our team in general. Uh, so, yeah, um, this was like last year. I said, next year, I'm going to have a plan. I'm going to play these <laughs> games at this time. And, of course, that didn't happen again. Really, I was talking to Kevin in chat, uh, Discord chat, after everything was done with today. Um, and he, he made a comment about how the two of us, we didn't really play games together. We played Apex for a little bit, maybe an hour. And among us for maybe 30, 40 minutes, <clears throat> but he, you know, he was, he just wanted to make sure everything was okay. And I was like, yeah, I mean, I thought we'd play it together too. It just didn't work out. Cause we're not sitting next to each other talking. And, and this year was, I'll say it's interesting. Last year I got super tired, right? I hit a wall early, um, but probably cause I was drinking G fuels all day and into the night. So I moderated that a little bit. But uh uh what happened was this year I, I didn't hit a wall. I felt good. Like when we were playing, Kyle joined me for Gears 5, and I was getting a little tired, but I didn't really I kept saying that I was hitting the wall, but it wasn't really the wall. I think it just was like felt like I was getting there. Um because I had like a second wind, I guess, after that. I felt good the whole time. Um of course I was tired and yawning, but I didn't feel like last year I had to move, leave my TV and go lie lie down on three long chairs <laughs> to try to get some sleep. I didn't feel that way this year. But uh, conversely, like, this was the loneliest I felt. I was just by myself. And I didn't play too many games with people. In fact, I didn't play games with people until hour 12, you know? Or maybe a little earlier, briefly, but not for very long. So there was a lot of just, like, solo time so that definitely you could feel the la the loss of the community right that was last year um but again this is a thing if it was easy to do they wouldn't make this the thing like if it was go play video games for five hours and raise money they would be you know they would do that but this is one of those things where they want you to be thinking about what you're raising money for obviously i'm not fooling myself or anyone this is still me playing video games for 24 hours. But, um, that's, I mean, there's a reason behind that. Um, yeah. So what did I play? I was thinking about it. I was like, what did I play? <laughs> uh, what did I play? So I had a trouble figuring out how to start, um, my game sessions. And I probably, if I move my screen here a little bit, I started, the morning with Wasteland Three because I had some donations to fulfill, so I played a couple hours of Wasteland Three, um, and then I played uh, I played Fall Guys while my Elio's pizza was cooking in the oven, and then I I proceeded to burn it because I was in the final round and didn't get up to <laughs> take it out of the oven, so I ate burnt Elio's <laughs> while I um, watched Kevin's stream. So my like myself and my streamers watched Kevin's stream while. I was eating, played some Among Us, um, played a bunch of Apex, a good amount of Apex, played Gears Tactics, because I had some obligations, and I was love that game. Um, I I played, I don't know why, but at like 3 a.m. I played Crash Bandicoot Trilogy, Insane Trilogy, (laughs) and if you want to play one of the most infuriating games... When you're the most tired, just don't, don't do that to yourself. And I think I said that in my stream. Why am I doing this to myself?
0: <laughs> Is that because that's what you played after we were done? Yeah. I was wondering when you mentioned that you still had that to play, <laughs> and I was going to say something, but like, don't I do decided, it. <laughs> yeah, th- I was kind of thinking. You know, you seem pretty tired. Is this really the game you want to be playing? Yeah. When you're really tired, but hey, I was maybe I thought maybe it would be something that would wake you up. Yeah. You have to be really focused and attentive, so I just let it go. <laughs> I yes. didn't want to say anything. <laughs> uh,
1: I played uh, Forza Horizon 4. Uh, still looks incredible on the PC. I can't even imagine what it looks like on a Series X uh, because it looks way better on my PC than it does on my One X. Um, I played some Sonic uh, and All Stars Racing Transformed because. Uh Lucas was talking about this on the PSVG Prime podcast about how much he was enjoying it. So I was like, "Oh, that sounds like a great game that I could play with Lucas, although I have a handful of games that Lucas and I already have to play together." Um but it sounds really fun and different enough from Mario Kart like that it sounds really cool. I did not have fun playing that game. <laughs> <laughs> so maybe I'll be better playing with Lucas. Uh um but who knows? uh i'm trying to think of what i was playing so i was playing apex before you jumped on right so i was we, i had plans with kyle to play a bunch of different ver- options of games um we ultimately landed on gears 5 and then donnie jumped in and we wanted to play halo 4 and then we found out halo 4 is not included on the master chief collection on pc yet so we couldn't do that so we played a three-player gears 5 campaign um well, Kyle and I were humans and Donnie was a robot, <laughs> which he played a lot longer than I thought he was going to.
0: Um, Big and props to Donnie for sticking it out. Thank,
1: yes, thank you, Donnie, for sticking it out. And then I thought he was just going to bed and he's like, no, no, I just don't want to play this with you guys anymore because I don't want to be this <laughs> robot anymore, uh, which I can't blame him. Uh, but I think Donnie put in a good two... No, he put in a good hour, hour, good hour with us. And we yeah. put another hour together afterwards.
0: Yeah. We stopped he, was very aggressive, he was a very aggressive robot.
1: Yes. He was all over the place <laughs> in the best way possible. <laughs> um, I did play Apex with Jason Lacey of Flux to Pose fame and Kevin Austin while voice chatting with Dan Anthony, part of our uh, Extra Life team, and Nathan uh, who were also playing Apex, um, but not with us, of course. After Gears 5, I did Crash Bandicoot. I did Hades. Um I did my get giveaway for Hades so congratulations to to Kaeda from our Discord who uh has already redeemed it and I'm uh, I'm looking forward to hearing how he likes Hades. And then I you know it's kind of a blur. I played some I I think I fired up some games here and there to try to get something to hook me in those wee hours in the morning. I settled on Far Cry 5 in the morning. Um, and that's how it all ended. Uh, it's, it's something that if you can do, I think it's, it's a fun challenge. And after doing it for one year, you'll know if you want to do it again. Um, cause it is hard. And I know we're just talking about video games, but it is, it is a commitment and it is hard to do. And if you're going to do it, you should reach out to people who have done it so you can figure out bathroom stuff, food stuff, snack stuff, drink stuff. Like, these are all things we didn't know going into last year, and we really, Kevin and I both got, like, destroyed at the end of it. Um, So, you know, uh, make sure you have people to talk to. Like, I sat in that PSVG, PSVG Discord by myself, All day, just hoping I heard that noise (laughs) so I could just talk to somebody. Finally, Donnie jumped in to give me tips on OBS, and then he hung out for like an hour while I played Forza, and it was great. It like gave me so much life uh, in that afternoon where we could just talk. And he was just like, he was just talking to me about stuff he does for the podcast, and I was like, hey, I'm I'm conversing with someone. Like having someone to talk to, very important. Um, But it was great. And in retrospect, I think I've said, um, 5,800 times while I've been talking about Extra Life. So I'm back to (laughs) that tire Josh Uh, (laughs) self-analyzes. So yeah, Uh, it was a lot of fun and I encourage people to participate. And if you want to join our team next year, let me know. Cause you could do that too. It's right around the same time of the year. I think second week in November, if I'm, if I'm not mistaken, But they give you the dates pretty early in the year. So you can always plan ahead, especially like if you have a child who has had to go to a children's hospital or, you know, someone who works at one, uh, you are aware of how important uh, this is. And uh, this is not just necessarily for care of children. This is for the livelihood of children. Who are in hospitals who have nothing to do? This is very similar to what, um, um Penny Arcade does, where they raise money to give video games to kids, v- virtual reality, things like that. Like, imagine a a child who is living in a hospital for four days to four years, and and imagine if you've ever been in a hospital, imagine taking that one night as an adult, and being that as a child for four months like you don't have anything to do you might have scary sick bedside member like like neighbors or you might be one of those people like these are things that are important to think about not just like a donation to a charity like what are you actually donating to so yeah uh it was hard it was still a lot of fun i got to play games with friends and they, you guys helped me get through some of the toughest hours. So it was a big help.
0: So, <clears throat> excuse me, next year, all things being what they, you know, are, if we get back to a more quote unquote typical life, hmm. it's a plan. then it sounds like the plan is to go back to Phoenix Overdrive, do the in-person stuff. Is that what the, the plan is?
1: I think so. I mean, i probably have to run it by Kevin again and see if this year changed that because of how well we did. Right. Um, and I'm not even necessarily opposed to keeping it PSVG, um, and doing some f- like modified form of what we tried to do for the house party. Oh yeah. <clears throat> where we could do an extra life, um, house party instead. Like I'm not opposed to even thinking outside the box in that manner. Um, but like, yeah, I mean, like you said, it's about raising money for kids and I'm happy to do it in any way shape or form but like if there's a way where we can turn our psvg gathering into a fundraising event for extra life and making it a part of that that would be really cool too but um yeah I'm really my kevin and i are so close together that it's real easy for us to team up on this so even if it's me going to kevin's refinished basement And doing extra life at his house, like which I would have done, if I don't have if my state didn't have a travel ban to his state, I still I would have been okay with doing that. Um, But you know, the whole country is glowing red and and warning right now, so (laughs) probably not a good idea.
0: It is true. Well, congratulations to you. Congratulations to the PSVG team. It was some good money raised, fun had by many, and if you contributed, very thank you very very much. It's awesome. So. Cool. Anything else you want to say about Extra Life?
1: I'm tired.
0: <laughs> I'd say that's why I offered to do the podcast yeah. tomorrow and I was actually kind of surprised that you said no. You wanted to do things. I, still. So.
1: I don't even know what my day is going to look like tomorrow. So at least <laughs> I, I know for that. sure I'm, around, I'm I'm conscious right now.
0: <laughs> no, that makes sense. That makes sense. All right. Well, my you know first topic is going to be way less important than your first topic. But hey, you know, Sometimes that's the way these things go, and we're I talking about games. I think this is games. equally important. <laughs> <laughs> so it's that time for that recurring segment about the, for the board with video games definitive ranking of board games. There's a really good chance we have maybe played, also known as the mm-hmm. Uh Every time we do this list, Josh and I bring a game or two or three to the table, and we start ranking our lists and add those games to the rankings the current rankings are 10 games so i'll still go through all 10 of them right now quickly but soon once we add probably these ones i won't go through all of them anymore but the top 10 uh starting at number 10 working our way to number one wasteland express delivery service machikoros number nine Number eight is Castles of Mad King Ludwig. Number seven is Small World. Number six is Forbidden Desert. Five is King of Tokyo. Four is Santorini. Three is Cosmic Run Regeneration. Two is Sagrada. And one is Lords of Waterdeep. I actually did tweet out this list today. uh, So you can view it. It is our pinned tweet now. So if you want to go ahead and check things out there, you definitely can. Uh, so you only have well, only have view access to your listener, but Josh and I, you know, we can change things and adjust things. Hopefully we don't change things when the other person is <laughs> and just make adjustments. But with that, Josh, how many games about. have you brought to the table today?
1: One of them. Well, I went there, Kyle. I went there. Ticket to you went Ride. Where?
0: Oh, wow. Ticket <laughs> to Ride, eh? Yep. Oh, goodness gracious. So I ticket know. Ticket to Ride is the first game you're bringing out, eh? It is.
1: It is the first game. I'm going, I'm coming hard today, Kyle.
0: I don't even know what to do with this, Josh.
1: <laughs> I know you, I and I know you wouldn't. Uh, my apologies in advance. This is won't be the hardest decision you make in this segment.
0: <laughs> this won't be? Oh goodness gracious. Okay. I mean it
1: probably no. I think I don't want to spoil anything. <laughs>
0: <laughs> awesome. Okay, so why why are you bring ticket to ride?
1: Why? What a good question. Uh that's a great game and it needs to be on our list at some point. I I thought my my prediction and what who knows what's going to happen but having like we're building a base right but we can't just avoid uh these games uh because then the base is skewed a little bit so having having like a couple contenders like legit high end contenders which I think we do have on like on this already um I just think this is one of those top tier games. Yeah, and, and I mean, maybe not disagree. even rightly so. Like maybe, like I understand like some people like like don't love the simplicity of it, or like like someone called it the new Monopoly of like this card and board game uh, renaissance or whatever, which I don't agree with.
0: No. Um,
1: but I think it can also be considered a little mainstream, so I think it could be controversial as well.
0: Yeah, I mean, Ticket to Ride, you know, first published back in 2004, uh, designed by Alan Moon, uh, Days of Wonder is the publisher, and there are, I don't know what, a bazillion additional expansions and maps that you can get for it.
1: Yeah, a new one just came out, Amsterdam. Yeah,
0: I think I think it's a bazillion. I think that's the correct <laughs> number. Uh, but a lot of good upgrades. It is a game that, you know, the, the base game is very good. There actually are multiple base games you can get, so it doesn't have to be just straight-up Ticket to Ride. There are other versions you can get. There's a really nice anniversary edition of it. Uh, It's a game that really does have a lot of legs to it, and the expansions and the additional maps you get uh, typically do offer some fun variation on the rules and and add some wrinkles that maybe the base game doesn't have. But for this purpose, I'm assuming we're just talking about the base game. This one
1: is Ticket to Ride. I think you can include the anniversary, but you can't include Europe,
0: because Europe is a base game. Right. Right. So, mm, is it okay if I consider it with, is it the 1912 expansion? Is that the one that's yeah, game the Yeah, it's like a cards? tiny little, yeah, yeah. yeah. So, because that's the only way I play it at this point. I don't ever play it with the itsy-bitsy cards because I really don't like cards of that size. <laughs> uh, so, that's the only way I really ever play the game. But Ticket to Ride, I really enjoy. I like Ticket to Ride. I think it is a good game. It, you are right that it is pretty mainstream. Obviously, it was one of those first "quote unquote" designer board games to be found at big box retailers that you could get at Target, you could get at Walmart. I even remember back in my days of working in university housing, going to conferences and seeing people play Ticket to Ride at the conference. Like that's how more more mainstream uh, it was. But it's still a really good game, and it's something that we still brush off and play. Uh, it is simple enough that I don't ever have to re review the rules. Like I just remember right. how to play Ticket to Ride, yep. which is nice. So with that, based off of our current ranking, I am leaning towards putting this in the number two position. Okay. What are your thoughts?
1: I would put it at number one, but I agree that it could also be number two. Um, Okay. I'm happy to put it at number two because we also have to take into, into account theme and style of game. And I think there's more variety in Lords of Waterdeep as far as gameplay options go. And Ticket to Ride is pretty much a one-trick pony. Like, You know what you're doing the whole game, and you don't ever have to deviate from that, with the exception of the the route you have to do.
0: Right. Yeah. Like I said, I really like Ticket to Ride. I think it's good. But just if I think about what do I prefer, Lords of Waterdeep or Ticket to Ride, I think I prefer Lords of Waterdeep. Yeah. Between the two.
1: I would put it above Sagrada because... While I might want to play Sagrada more with people who have never played it over ticket to ride, i think I still think that um ticket to ride is the game that if we sat down in a room and seven people have played ticket to ride, that's the game we're gonna play.
0: right, yeah, cool. So does number two sound good then?
1: Yeah, number two is good for me.
0: Awesome, all right, so ticket to ride, the new number two game. Because Josh is just not holding anything back. He's bringing out the big hitters. And it sounds like he probably is going to have another big hitter that he's going to do here at some point as well. Title
1: Blades. <laughs>
0: <laughs> I, I would actually really excited for talking about that at some point. Okay, Josh. Since you went Ticket to Ride. Yeah. I'm going to kind of volley one back at you then. This is a game I had on my list. I didn't know if I, I was going to talk about it or not. But now I'm going to. Uh my first game that I want to bring to the list, Pandemic.
1: Oh. What an apt so time. If you're going to come out here throw <laughs>
0: around big games. I'm coming out here throwing around big games. So, what say you sir? Pandemic. What are your thoughts?
1: Uh it's a an incredible game that focuses on teamwork which is actually not uncommon in our, to- in, our in a couple of our games. Are you, is this your are you highlighting the spot for it where you think it's going to go right now?
0: <laughs> no, I just that's just where I ended up. That's just where it, um, my cursor up. Honestly,
1: because you talked about Ticket to Ride being um having all these different expansions. Pandemic <laughs> is a game I like less with its expansions.
0: I can see that. I do enjoy some of the additional uh players you can be, the you know, you know that the, the new roles that are introduced to the, the expansions. But I I do think that, especially towards the later expansions, the more you add, I I do think it does uh, detract from the game. For me, I would agree there as well.
1: Yeah. um, I would put this game at number one, to be honest with you. Um, Pandemic is a game I think every board game player needs to play. It teaches so many core board game values that it's almost unskippable even even though it's getting dated like it's probably it due is. the anniversary edition they just did it was terrible and cost so much money <laughs> they didn't really update too much um it really could use a fresh coat of paint but that being said i mean power grid hasn't gotten that either uh so True. uh the core mechanics they're so good and it, it teaches you to work together. This is a game that is used in schools, and science classes. I would argue it should be used... It could be used in any class that's teaching communication. Um, it just really... This is a game where people keep talking about how hard it is, and I keep going, you're not listening to each other. It is a hard game, but you're not listening to each other. And that's why it's hard. And it took us... 10, 15 plays to figure that out, like we thought it was super hard too, but we just weren't listening to each other. And you have to open yourself to kind of being told what to do to a degree, uh, because you might not always know what's best for your team. And if someone tells you that you need to do something, you can't be the type of player who says, I'm not going to do that because you told me to do it. And I think that's, that fights a lot of social problems, too, when you play games like this. So I really think Pandemic um, is great, and it's it's an essential must-play board game. So it's an easy number one for me. As much as I love words, loads of Waterdeep, it's nowhere near as important to play as Pandemic is.
0: Yeah, so Pandemic originally released back in 2008, designed by Matt Leacock, published by Z-Man. And I would agree with basically everything you have said that Pandemic really is one of those evergreen games that's in most people's collection is always going to be there. I do think playing it now, you start to see some cracks in the formula a little bit just because co-op games and cooperative games have become so synonymous in board games now. And Pandemic really did lay a lot of the modern tropes for the way... um, cooperative games work but also showed some of the potential issues they can have because quarterbacking is a big thing in pandemic right there's one person who sometimes can try to control everything else that's going on uh, and that i think pandemic is a game that that can happen in a lot but with all that being said i do think this is a game even when going back to it still i have a fun time playing now like you I don't find the base game very hard anymore. We tend to play it on the hardest difficulty that you can, which I think is cool that you can adjust how hard the game is. And when playing it on the hardest difficulty, we do sometimes lose. But, you know, anything below the hardest difficulty, we pretty much typically win. But also, I think that's because we have played Pandemic so many times that there is kind of almost a system in place of what we do when we play it. So that's kind of my only knock on it that I don't think there is a quote unquote right way to play it or that you should always do X, Y, Z. But I think there becomes a better, more efficient way to play it once you have played it enough that the decisions don't become necessarily as complicated. But again, that's after you've played it a significant number of times. And if you're playing it with new people who have never played it as myself, I usually just don't say anything. I let them come up with the decisions about what they want to do and why they want to do it. And I might give them some feedback or thoughts, or usually that'll be at the end of the game of like, hey, just, you know, when you did X, Y, Z, we may want to consider doing ABC just because, you know, this could have been potentially the impact of that or something to keep in mind. Um, Because I don't want to during the game, like, be that quarterback person, you know, because whatever, if we win, we win. Great. If we lose, we lose. Whatever. Uh, But yeah, I agree. Pandemic for me on this list, probably a pretty easy number one as well. So. That was a pretty universal, easy way mm-hmm. to take care of that.
1: It's funny that you brought it up because I right before we recorded, um, Smosh Games, uh, on YouTube, their board AF show, um, they played Pandemic today. And I, I just watched a 20-minute video of them playing Pandemic, original Pandemic. They used a different couple of different roles that aren't in the base game, but they were playing the base game. Um, and they they lost because they weren't listening to each other, and like they say it like while they're playing. I think something you brought up, which is kind of a landmine, uh, in board games, is like the alpha gamer, and like you can't play this game with an alpha gamer. You need to let people make mistakes because if you play this game and just tell people what to do, they will not have fun. So you also have to be reminding yourself you're playing a board game and let mistakes happen like in pandemic legacy i think is a great example of that yep because you're making mistakes together and you're permanently making mistakes this isn't you know this this is a game where i'm sure it'll come up in our list in, in the future but um very much takes like that core communication part of pandemic and amp, and you know takes it to 11 so to speak
0: indeed Indeed. All right, let's do one more game each, Josh. So what is the next yeah, game you'd like to propose? Your game
1: your game just made this probably even harder for you. Nice. Everdell.
0: Oh, I hate you.
1: <laughs> I didn't know you were bringing Pandemic to the table.
0: <laughs> it was number th- I had brought three games, but since you went Ticket to ride, Pandemic was actually the third game on the list I didn't know if we were going to get to it, but since you brought tickets to ride, I figured I would, you know, bust out Pandemic. Base and now Everdell. You bust out Everdell.
1: No expansions. Base Everdell. We all know how much you love animals. <laughs> Do you love more than deadly diseases? <laughs>
0: <laughs> well, I mean, yes. But so Everdell released in 2018. So obviously a much newer game designed by James Wilson, published by Starling Games. Uh, a game that we have talked about on this podcast and absolutely gushed about on this podcast because uh, the art from Andrew Bodley and Cody Jones and Dan May is Exceptional the engine building of the game is very very good it's just a really well produced board game there's really nothing else to say about it that other than everything about it is good there there's really no weakness from my perspective uh, when it comes to this game, the art is gorgeous. The quality of the components is top notch. The, the balance of the game is very, very good. Um, and, and a game that I absolutely adore. Now, granted I haven't played it in a little bit and this makes me kind of want to go back and, and play it again here soon. Uh, but you know, Everdell does a lot of things, right? It has a cool tree as part of the board. It's got an awesome 3d board. So it looks good on the table. Oh goodness. If you have the deluxe edition. Yes. Uh, what about you? Where, what are your thoughts on Everdell? I mean, this was a game that, not long after it came out, was, you know, well over $100 to try to track down a copy. It's much more reasonable today, but for a while, this was a really tough one to come by.
1: Yeah, we got it a year after it came out, or, like, uh, close to a year after it came out. Um, you know, we were behind on the times. Um, we paid, you know, the big bucks for it. I think it still is 100 bucks if you get the deluxe edition. Yeah. Um, So, talking about Pandemic makes me think a bit more critical about Everdell, and I don't even necessarily think that there's um, anything to be specifically critical about Everdell, with the exception of uh, Pandemic, like, we talk about, like, it builds this, like, foundation for board gaming, and, uh, like, Masterclass-ish style gameplay, like, I... Everdell easily does as many things, but better than Lords of Waterdeep. Options—you have so many different options. You can go to many different places. It's worker placement, and it's similar to Waterdeep as far as where you can move things and get things in different places. But it adds deck building to it, and not just deck building, but town building. So like, like lightly town building. Um, but I think by describing it in that way, it gives you that picture. Uh, the Deluxe Edition, yeah, it's definitely the production value is super high. It, it's fun to, you're not collecting cubes like in Waterdeep, right? It's fun to collect these things you're getting. It's fun to pick them up and touch them and interact with them. Um, it's a game that I don't think you could nearly get the same experience on a digital edition like you would with Waterdeep, And I think maybe roots proving to be the, the exception to that rule. Um But like Everdell digital, you're not getting the same experience. Everdell is a table take over game, much like tight, tight, uh, <laughs> much like title blades looks like it's going to be like it's going to be um, for me. I thought it was an easy number 1 but I think I'd put it at number 2 uh just because of the like I guess I keep using like these buzzwords but like the pedigree of pandemic um I think it just doesn't surpass it in my head while you could I mean I could see people arguing um I don't know you you could maybe argue it's a better game but I think it's just a better produced game I don't know that it's necessarily a better game. If we played Everdell as many times as we've played Pandemic, what game would we go back to?
0: Yeah, that's a great question. I think for me, I genuinely think Everdell is a better game than Pandemic. But this is our list. We can do this. We can use whatever we want to to rank these games. I have far more nostalgia for Pandemic than I do for Everdell. I have far more. Like Pandemic is one of the games that got me into the hobby board games. is one of the first games I had in my collection. And while Everdell, I think, is a cool game to show off, I think is a great game to play, it it would be really hard for me to put Everdell above Pandemic just because of that. And And to be honest, when I think of games i put above pandemic there's very few just in general to be totally honest and part of that is nostalgia and i totally recognize that but again this is our list like but
1: you know, part of it, it. i know i know that you're saying part of it's nostalgia but it's i think it's more than that because it's it's nostalgia you know in the form of playthroughs though like you if you yeah. played it 50 times you would you would get bored of it or you wouldn't and i don't think this is a game that We either of us have gotten bored of necessarily. I know you've upped the difficulty, but I don't like, and like, obviously, this is a a growing list too. That doesn't mean that you could come back in a year and say you played Everdell 30 times and you think you like it more than Pandemic. Like, I think that that's feasible as well, but I, I really think the theme, the theme on Pandemic is relatively current always enough <laughs> that you can relate to it, right? I don't know that Especially I can relate to a badger now. priest always. <laughs> or a porcupine innkeeper. Like, I don't know that I can always um, relate to that.
0: Yeah. I, I'm cool with number two. I think putting Everdell at number two, I, I am totally okay with. Okay. Does that sound like where we want to go?
1: That's where I would put it, for sure. Okay. Open for debate.
0: Number two, it is Everdell.
1: I forgot you have one more. I was like, you got to take one of those Cosmic Runs out of there. But I remembered you have one more game.
0: I do have one more game. I'm trying to decide which of the two games that I have.
1: Make it hard. Make it hard.
0: <laughs> well, I mean. <laughs>
1: it could be easy. We're going to have to have easy weeks, too. Listen to that car. That car agrees. This is a All professional right, so th- podcaster not closing their windows before recording. <laughs>
0: <laughs> it's warm out. You're what are you welcome. Do? <laughs> I do think this next one is going to be hard, because I don't know if you've played it, and I have some strong feelings on this game. Oh.
1: Well, I'm a pushover, so if I don't agree with your feelings, I'll agree with your vote.
0: <laughs> we'll see, we'll see. So the one I'm going to bring up as my second game is Caverna.
1: Oh, I haven't played it.
0: So designed by Uwe Rosenberg, uh, published by Lookout Games, and like a whole bunch of other people since then. I could probably guess uh, how it plays. though.
1: you said you said the designer. <laughs> what's that? I said, you, you said it's a Rosenberg game, so I could probably guess how it plays.
0: Yeah, exactly. <laughs> uh, it's, it's a lot of people will say this is kind of like Agricola 2.0. Um, so there, it is typically thought of as like kind of the next step or next progression of that game. Uh, came out in 2013. Very very heavy game. Literally and figuratively, the box itself is very heavy. There's a lot of stuff in the box. Uh, And the complexity ranking or the weight ranking on Board Game Geek is a 3.78. So it is definitely up there. Uh, It is a worker placement game that is one of those games that's kind of the the beauty of Uwe Rosenberg games is that they're not super complicated to learn. Because realistically, they give you very good cheats to say... You know, here's step one, here's step two, here's step three. But at some point in all of his games, or in most of his games, or at least in his worker placement games, you get to a point where you have to pick your actions. And that's where things get complicated, because then, you know, you'll have 60 actions to pick from. (laughs) And you got to decide with your three workers that you have, which of those 60 actions are going to be the best for you to do. And maybe 60 is a little generous for this game. It might not be that many, but I do think it's it's quite a few. Uh in this game you are trying to kind of build out your farmstead and your cave, henceforth Caverna, so you are digging a cave, as well as building out a farmstead so you can, you know, do some farming and have some animals. Gotta feed your family. All of those typical things that are part and parcel of an Uwe Rosenberg game. The reason I bring this game up uh is A it is super, super heavy. It is a game that has so many pieces and so many things going on, and so many thing like decisions to make. Other uh, dogs in the game, which I I like. <laughs> I do like the fact that they're you know when you're animals, a sure. dog. But yeah, this is just one of those games that you know. After playing games, like I'm sure we'll talk about it eventually. As far as having like Power Grid or something like that, Yeah. eventually graduating to a game like this that is so, so heavy and just provides a completely unique experience that is going to 100% turn some people off. There are going to be people who just hate this type of game. Uh, but I do think it's an important game, and I do think that from a design standpoint and a creation standpoint, it's really well done, really thoughtfully done, extremely well balanced overall for all the different decisions that you have to make. Um so yeah, so like I said, Josh, I know you haven't played it, but mm. what are your impressions of Caverna? Uh
1: to be honest with you, I know what the cover looks like and what you've told me. <laughs> uh I like Rosenberg games, I really do. Um, but I've only played them in a the digital form. I've never played a physical um Rosenberg game. Uh I own some, but I haven't played them. <laughs> um I like what he does, I do agree. They're relatively um, simple games to simple, relatively easy games to learn, but they're definitely hard to master. Um, I can't speak on the the heft uh, of them, but um, there's also a, like a very a good, pretty good short list of ga- his games that my wife really wants. So like, I'm totally down to exploring his games, but you know, we're just in this wave of uncertainty of games i'm looking to expand my library more and i still am not playing more games so
0: <laughs> right
1: um so i'm happy to uh accept uh your placement uh wherever you want to put it
0: really so if i put it at number one you're cool
1: sure and i trust your judgment you wouldn't lie to me right
0: <laughs> i would definitely not lie to you <laughs> um okay so right now i honestly mm, Want to put it at number three, but I also don't want to have our top three games all come from this episode. I'm kind of hung up on that for some reason, and I don't know why. These
1: can change over time.
0: They can change over time. I do think, in general, actually putting it at number five right behind Ticket to Ride would probably be...
1: When did you put Ticket to Ride below Cosmic Runner Generation? Oh, you didn't. That's a placeholder. Never mind. <laughs>
0: yeah, I was like, what are you talking I'm about? Like, Wait, I totally what did
1: Kyle do? <laughs> no,
0: Ticket to Ride is number four. Yeah, I see it. Uh, now. Lords of the Waterdeep yeah. is three. Sagrada is five. So I feel like this game would slot in at the five spot.
1: Oh, oh. This spreadsheet is not functioning. Oh, <laughs> I figured it out. <laughs> okay. <laughs> ah, cells work weird when you just highlight over one and don't ever unhighlight over it. <laughs> yeah, wherever you're so that's comfortable, I'm say. comfortable.
0: Okay. Well, we will slot it in at number five. And
1: that's been two hours, folks. <laughs>
0: What do you mean two hours? Just
1: an hour and a half. I'm teasing. <laughs> oh, no. <laughs> no we started. we listener. started late. I'm, I'm also, I'm double teasing.
0: Yeah. <laughs> I will say the listener, uh, if you want to see a pretty impressive game on the table, go look up Caverna and just see all the stuff that's in that box.
1: You weren't going to go with Feast for Odin with the, with that example?
0: <laughs> Maybe next time. <laughs> <laughs> there's room for many heavy games on this list. All right. So the games we brought up this week, pandemic, uh, we slotted at number one, Everdell at number two, ticket to ride at number four and caverna at number five is for the games we talked about this week. Again, you can find our whole list it's in our pinned tweet and you can check out all the games as we rank them. Uh, probably in the future, we hopefully won't bring quite so many heavy hitters. Uh, but you know, Hey, a who's list telling us
1: there's so many of them. We got to bring them to the table
0: that's true there are so many of them awesome josh what is your second topic this week i bet
1: i bet william will be proud of us he, he maybe he can get us a column <laughs> but the board with video games top 50 board games <laughs> of all time
0: yeah we could be famous Come on, popular mechanics we're waiting we, we could be it.
1: famous by adjacency
0: <laughs> that's right
1: <laughs> okay kyle uh, i shared this in our discord about a week and a half ago uh there was a new Harry Potter board game on Kickstarter. It was called Catch the Snitch, and it seemed to fit in with all of the current Harry Potter themed games, even down to the packaging, uh, where it was very similarly looking to like um, Harry uh, Hogwarts Battle or Defense of the Dark Arts. Um, except now they're bringing you the the um, the Quidditch game that that we've all been waiting for right and uh when the news came out it was just basically announced uh night games was publishing it and they are uh on night night models sorry not i think it's night yeah night models who call themselves night games now i guess um they have previously done games like uh, batman games in dc and harry potter games uh so yeah they they literally used the wizarding world box it looked very similar it's a relatively uh, smallish board. I saw some videos on Tantrum House. I watched like a quick preview, and then I realized it was a Kickstarter. I didn't really know that that was a Kickstarter when I saw that this was leaked. I thought it looked really cool. It's like some sort of alternate worker placement, worker movement game where you have two teams. Of course, it's Quidditch. If you don't know it, I'm not going to explain it to you because I probably would explain it terribly. Um, but it is the first offering in a set of Harry Potter universe titles from them. Uh, w- we'll see. Um, the rule book, they say, they it's only 24 pages long. <laughs> I guess that's like moderately sized now. This is from BoardGameQuest.com. Um, it's a skirmish game. Uh, there's no measurement. So think X-Wing, but without the measurement, like, meters. Uh, You have a bunch of cards, snitch cards, gold cards, tactical cards. You have these, they're rubbery, pla- like plastic miniatures. They're not like necessarily like the highest quality miniatures you've ever seen in your life. So, it hit Kickstarter on November 5th. I was like, oh, cool. I was telling my wife, look at this Quidditch game. I thought I was for sure going to be able to get it at Target, right? Because um, this is where they all drop. So I tell her, I said, "Hey, sweetheart, I looked up that Harry Potter Quidditch game on Kickstarter. There's a there's a four hundred forty five thousand dollar goal. It doesn't seem too high for a Harry Potter game. Um, but then it started to click why it was on Kickstarter. And then I was like, Oh, wait, it's been on Kickstarter for like two days a day, two days a day. Two. What's the date?" Oh no it came out actually it came out on uh sorry it didn't come out on november 5th i think it came out earlier oh no it did come on november 5th sorry um on november 6th i looked it 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 did not hit its goal it was in fact not even close to its goal it was at sixty four thousand dollars of uh, half a million dollar goal so I'm like, why would a Harry Potter game? The art looks great. It's Harry Potter through and through. If you want to get the base game, it will cost you, oh, it's not showing me American dollars, about 110 American dollars. Maybe probably a little bit more. It's 100 pounds or euros. I don't know what that simple is anymore. I think it's euros. I was shocked when I saw the price of this game. And maybe it's because I was, com- like, comfortable with these games coming out between 30 to $50. Um, and maybe that's my fault. But maybe they shouldn't have used the same art for their game. Like, I bought right next to me, I have Harry Potter's House Cup competition. The same exact borders of this game. Literally. The font, the wording, the spelling, the branding. I paid forty. I paid thirty dollars for this game on Amazon, so I guess uh, I had a little bit of sticker shock. Then I was like, "Wait, the Kickstarter's canceled? Why? Why is this Kickstarter canceled?" So I clicked on the updates, and I saw something that reminded me of Golden Bell Studios. <laughs> I'm sure that they're not as bad, but I've never seen something like this on Kickstarter explaining. It's not a canceled Kickstarter, right? It's essentially just a postponed or delayed Kickstarter. But I read from Night Models, Harry Potter Catch a Snitch, Wizard Sports Game page on Kickstarter. Estimated backers, the current situation of uncertainty in the world derived from the electoral campaign in the United States is negatively affecting our Kickstarter. I don't have to read the rest of this to you for you to understand probably where this is going. I don't understand, like, no one is, (laughs) I have backed so many Kickstarters since COVID started. I have never seen a single Kickstarter campaign blame COVID for them not hitting their goals, especially in update number two. They didn't even give themselves a week to hit their goal. I don't so maybe this is me being hypercritical (laughs) maybe it isn't i don't understand how they can blame the united states elections for a british kickstarter board game (laughs) they're not blaming brexit (laughs) they're not blaming the pandemic they're blaming the united states in its electoral campaign is this crazy to you kyle or am i alone on this one (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> and I'm sure I'm not alone, but am I alone between the two of us?
0: It It is an interesting explanation. I went to the comment section on the Kickstarter, oh and there are a lot of people <laughs> who basically say, are you really <laughs> certain this is the reason you're delaying this? Is because of the U.S. elections? And they are holding firm to that. They're saying yes. Well, after that statement, you have issue, to hold to that. <laughs> it, it caused issues with our marketing campaign and what we were going to do. Social media is a mess in the U S right now, et cetera, et cetera. But
1: <laughs> it doesn't stop me from getting razor ads every day. I don't know how the marketing has changed.
0: <laughs> that's true. It is interesting. I'll be very, they said they're going to basically kind of rework the campaign before they relaunch it. And there are a number of people who are saying you need to come up with a more, with a more affordable entry point, because it is interesting to think of, and we had this conversation even with the, um, uh, the Funko game about how the game looks really cool. And you think about the people who would be interested in it. And you're like, Oh, this would be awesome. But then when you play the game, it is actually a very strategic tactical game, right? You can't just like the IP and jump in and, and have a, a strong, understanding of what's going on so i do wonder for this game how much of it is a skirmish game like how strong are the skirmish ties to it is this a game that is going to be locked up if you would in all of the rules and everything that's going on so people who really want to get this just to play a fun cool quidditch game are gonna be it's just gonna be over their head you know it's gonna be a far too complicated game and and I do wonder about that. And I do worry about that a little bit. They clearly have, you know, some videos out that show pre-production copies of this game. So they they clearly are very far into production, have all that good stuff. Uh, you know, the other thing to kind of keep in mind is that it is, you know, like the hundred and ten dollars or whatever, uh, for the base game. Well, then shipping is going to be another like thirty to forty five <laughs> <yeah>. slash fifty dollars <laughs> for us because this is a European Kickstarter. So. You know, you're looking at probably 150 bucks for the base game, Uh, you know, pushing probably 200 for the base game and expansions. I
1: think you get two teams in the base game, and if you got to get all four teams, you need the other ones.
0: Right. So, <laughs> <laughs> that, you know, that doesn't tell you anything. So, I would be super interested in this. I really would. It, it, this is a game that I would definitely want to play, be very interested in, in getting to the table and, and seeing how it goes. But, uh, you know, there's new consoles coming out this month. There are... I just got Tidal Blades. Uh, you know, I have other... stuff. I just don't know that I can justify that price, especially since I really don't know that my partner would want to play a skirmish game.
1: Yes, I agree with you. And that was one of my worries. I did want to mention they said, uh, quote, all social networks and platforms are having considerably less traffic. <laughs> That is the complete opposite of what, the every, the, whatever. That <laughs> other. My question that I was going to ask you was: so they they have announced it's going to come back on Kickstarter on November twelfth. Um, and I think you kind of already answered it, but my question to you was going to be: do you think they come in at a lower price, and what if if you do, what do you think that price is uh, is going to be?
0: I hope they do because I think they need to. Uh, I don't know if they can. If they're committing to the miniatures, I don't know how much lower they can get it. Right, the cost of the game is the cost of the game. I, I, I don't you know, know if I'd that's always true, see... though. I mean, maybe not. I would love for them to see them come in at you know seventy-five bucks or something like that, or even I mean, ideally sixty is what I'd love to see. But I don't think if you're at already one ten, I don't think you're gonna be able to cut that in half.
1: It's only seven miniatures per team. It's a very small board.
0: Like yeah. I don't but own... I think that, I think all four are in it though. Aren't they all aren't is all four, four, in four in the base game in? and the expansion is like an all-star team where you can get Oh, uh,
1: yeah, you're right. Star players expansion and World Cup. Yeah, sorry. Sorry, mm-hmm. you're right. Yeah, the four teams are in the in the base box. <clears throat> it's a 30-minute so, game.
0: Yeah. yeah, that's a <laughs> that's a long mm. I want I really if I had unlimited money, I would be all in, right? It's just that, and I, I know that we really get caught up in video games talking about dollars per hour and that you, you can't justify or necessarily say a game is, you know, the quali- you can't always d- define the quality by how much it costs compared to the number of hours you spent in it. But when you're really talking about a minimum of probably close to 150 bucks for a board game, you know, we talked about last week for $175 for Descent, you know, which is a more proven property, which has, I don't know if it has more, it might have more miniature. it. With 16
1: scenarios that are two to three hours long.
0: Right, right. <laughs> so, yeah, I, I do think it's a tough one to um, jump into. Oh, I um, I really want this to be successful because I think it looks really cool. I would love the opportunity to buy it later, but I don't know if I'm going to get that opportunity because I, mean, I don't know if it's going to be successful. The
1: all-in one looks the best. It has the the, the big giant nice yeah, tower houses and... Uh, a playmat, perhaps. I think that is like it's just you don't even get Harry Potter in the base game. Do you know that? Oh, really? No, you don't get. This is who He's you. The box this cover. is who you don't get in the base game. In the base game, you don't get Harry Potter, Ron Weasley, Ginny Weasley, Cho Chang, Cedric Diggory, Draco Malfoy, Vincent Crabb, or Gregory Doyle. They are not included in the base game.
0: Isn't Harry Potter on the cover? Yeah,
1: they're included in the Star Players expansion. <laughs> well, he's on the cover because it's based on the movie Harry Potter. <laughs> right, but... it Sorry, you're but watching... He, he's on the, the cover d- of the base game, yeah. but
0: he's not in the game.
1: You're playing the direct-to-video sequel, Quidditch Cup. <laughs>
0: <laughs> wow, okay. Yeah. Oof, duh, okay. Well, hey, there you go.
1: If you want I wish them luck. I hope it's
0: successful because like I said, I think it looks really cool. I just am not hopeful that it's gonna work out for them.
1: These add ons are so expensive.
0: They're very expensive. If
1: you want dice, it's half the price. It's it's sixty dollars for four pack of Hogwarts house dice.
0: Yeah, it's very expensive. Josh, the, the episode's actually, you know, decently long already. Yeah. I'm pretty impressed at us. We do we do a good job of this. So I'm gonna skip my second topic. Whoa. And We're just gonna what move right on other? to your third topic if that's cool with you. Uh
1: yeah. Okay. Oh, I like that topic. I like that. Let's I know, it'll topic. come back.
0: Don't worry. Don't worry.
1: Okay. All right. Okay. Well, you know what? Let's skip my third topic. Ha <laughs> We should do my second instead. Top... No, you can do your third. Or you can do your oh. second. It's up to you. Mine hey, okay, ready? Uh, The the medium was delayed for Xbox Series S, X, and S. Uh, Why? Yeah. And we'll we'll talk about what my question would be next week, because we'll probably have another delay before the episode next week.
0: Right. (laughs) Well, next week's all going to be probably next-gen stuff, so we'll see how that goes.
1: Yeah, next-gen delayed games. The medium. (laughs) (laughs) Next-gen delayed games,
0: indeed. All right. So for my third and final topic then for the week, so I guess it will be my second topic. (laughs) Two-part topic, kind of. Number one, uh, EA is planning to release six games on next-gen consoles by March 2022. So when they held their recent earnings conference call, they said that their plan is to release six games on the next-gen consoles between April 21st, 2021 and March 31st, 2022. So many of these games are already known or things that we have talked about Need for Speed, Battlefield, FIFA, Madden, NHL, like all the things that were kind of, I uh, would expect. So before we get to kind of the big part of all of this, Josh, thoughts on, oh, excuse me. You all right? Thoughts on, <laughs> yeah, I'm good, I'm good. Thoughts on EA uh, wanting to release six games in a year. It's Surprise, not surprise, seemed as usual.
1: If it was different games, I'd be surprised, but no, it's just their. Same games that are pretty much the same game every year, anyway. So, <laughs> sorry if I sound jaded.
0: <laughs> no, it's okay. I mean, we will get a battlefield. We haven't had a battlefield in a couple of years, right? So that's pretty exciting. Has it
1: been a couple of years? I thought it was only I one think so.
0: year. <laughs> well, by the time it comes out, it'll be a couple years. Uh, yeah. Okay. <laughs> so, but the big news associated with that is N Seven Day happened this weekend. Uh, N Seven, obviously, in a day that is celebrated in the Mass Effect world because of shepherd and his n7 armor and all those good things and probably more lore things to yeah. do than that but i'm old <laughs> i don't remember and i never read any of the books so i have no idea but with all of that out of the way every year on november 7th there are some super celebrations as far as mass effect goes bioware posts some stuff is like hey we're excited look at this cool wallpaper all that stuff but this year it was a little bit bigger of a celebration with first the announcement that Mass Effect. Legendary Edition is a real thing and it is something that is coming out. Uh, Mass Effect Legendary Edition, the remasters of Mass Effect 1 through 3, just the single player content, but includes all of the expansions and extra little guns and things like that that were added over time. So weapons, armor, packs, all of that fun stuff, all remastered and optimized for 4K Ultra HD and we'll be out this spring for Xbox One, PlayStation 4, and PC with forward compatibility and targeted enhancements on Xbox Series X and PlayStation 5. So, Josh, yes. what was your reaction to the news of the release? Well, official announcement now <laughs> of one of, the, I guess, like, really the worst kept secrets. Uh, Mass Effect Legendary Edition. You down or are you going to play replay through this trilogy?
1: Well, i got to be honest with you. I was streaming for 24 hours, so... Uh, I I didn't get more than just um, the the weird trailer, so I mm-hmm. didn't get to read any details on it yet. Um, but I mean, yeah, it's not a surprise, right? We knew it's we knew that that this was rumored for over a year now. Um, right. We just kind of all assumed it was happened. The bigger surprise would be if it didn't happen. But I haven't been able to like look up if. Uh, uh, I think I saw someone say it's more of a, I don't know, is it is it a complete remaster or is it just kind of like a polished version of the game?
0: Well, that was a lot of the rumors we're talking about. The reason it was taking so long is that they were jumping into a full, re- more of a remake. But it is sounding just from the announcement on Bioware that it is a very much a remaster. Uh, the blog states, quote, were... Um, the- our team at BioWare has been hard at work updating the textures, shaders, models, effects, and technical features of three enormous games. Our, go- our goal was not to remake or reimagine the original games, but to modernize the experiences so that fans and new players can experience the original work in the best possible form. It's been amazing to see The Adventures of Commander Shepard take on a new life in super sharp resolution, faster frame rates, and beautiful visual enhancements. I mean, that's promising. So it does very much sound.
1: What's that? It's promising, but I think like Resident Evil ruined it for everybody with the expectation of a remaster um like i don't know that people we shouldn't expect those standards but we should be happy if we get them uh right. but yeah i mean i as excited as i am to revisit the mass effect trilogy i'm also terrified of them ru- like messing it up with their track record with mass effect like i don't like i don't want to play mass effect one and realize how bad this is going to be for other people while I'm playing it. That's my <laughs> biggest worry. I want more people to be like get involved with Mass Effect. It's my favorite game trilogy of all time, right? So like, as a big, big, big fan, I'm just more worried that they're going to ruin it for new inductees into to Mass Effect. Like that's what I'm worried about. Um, right. But I'm super thrilled uh, that it's even forward compatible, right? So I don't have to worry about like not being able to buy it digitally for a PlayStation five or needing a disc for something or whatever. In um, that they're actually focusing on textures and hopefully fixing how the um, um, the Mako works and mass effect one and how the elevator rides are and, <laughs> and all those things that really just tear that game down from anyone playing it currently. Like there's a great game in there, but it's one of those games like, when people talk about the PlayStation Classic and how those games are basically unplayable just because of the generation and bits of those games, they don't hold up like eight and sixteen bit games. Um, I, like Mass Effect One terrifies me for people who just try to get back into it, like now, because it just doesn't look great, doesn't control good at all. But for the time, it was groundbreaking. Um, and we have to kind of understand that Goldeneye, when it came out, was incredible. And now, you wonder how is it even physically a game? You're looking at <laughs> physical polygons on your screen. <laughs> so, um, I'm really excited to check it out. I will, I will buy this, no question, right? This is my unfledging support for Mass Effect. Um, and I'm more, ex- I'm more excited for. I'm assuming what you're going to say next.
0: Well, I'm going to ask you one other question, and then we'll <laughs> okay. get to that next part. So they have announced Xbox One, PlayStation Four, and PC. What chances do you think there are that this is coming to Switch?
1: It should be on Switch. It would be f- a crime if they didn't put this on Switch.
0: Do you think this is just going to be announced at some Nintendo-like partner direct type It'll thing? It'll be announced direct or yeah,
1: okay.
0: something like that.
1: I hope. I really hope. Uh, the Switch Switch owners they deserve. To be able to play this game, and mm-hmm. uh, it should run fine on a Switch.
0: So, if it is announced and is coming to Xbox, PlayStation, PC, and Switch, yeah. where are you going to purchase it?
1: Uh, it'll probably be on whatever current next-gen console I have. If I don't have my Xbox yet, it'll be on PlayStation. Um, but honestly, if I have my Xbox, the new one, it'll be on Xbox, because that's where I played all of my Mass Effect games. And that's just gotcha. that nostalgia thing. Because no, you couldn't play couldn't Mass Effect 1 that. on PlayStation.
0: Nope. <laughs> nope. <clears throat> this will be the chance that maybe I can. I wonder. Mm, I'm assuming they're going to do the revised ending for Mass Effect 3. It'd be it, nice it, it, if they gave you the choice. They should
1: give you the choice. That would be
0: nice. That would be nice if they give you the choice. Uh, hey, well, actually, hey, would you I'm like finished. to play this
1: game um, as we intended it or how as we were bullied into making it?
0: <laughs> right. I never actually finished the story in Mass Effect 3 because I had so much fun with the multiplayer.
1: <laughs> <laughs> I remember you telling me that.
0: Yeah, so I, maybe this will be the time that I actually finish Mass Effect three. That'll be great because I finished the first two. But all right, so the other part then of their announcement was continuing from Casey Hudson's blog post. He says, "quote Meanwhile, here at BioWare, a veteran team has been hard at work envisioning the next chapter of the Mass Effect universe. We are in early stages of, on the project, and we can't and can't say any more just yet." But we're looking forward to sharing our vision for where we'll be going next. And below that was, I'm assuming, concept art that they shared, which looks very nice, uh, of what I'm assuming is kind of where they're thinking of going or some hints about what the, the future for Mass Effect might hold. Here are my questions for you related to this, Josh. Number one, are you excited for a new Mass Effect? Number two, what do they need to do to win you back after what you said would be Game of the Year <laughs> Mass Effect Andromeda? Yeah. Number three, uh, BioWare still has a Dragon Age game to come out, and they are still fixing Anthem, so when are we getting the next Mass Effect game? I'll let you just take it from there.
1: Well, here's what I would like to say. First, to defend myself, I wasn't wrong. It was Game of the Year. Worst Game of the Year.
0: (laughs) Most disappointing, maybe? No,
1: worst. Okay. (laughs) I was excited to see him say veteran, right? Like, that could be, like, it seems like he didn't have to say that, so it makes me think that they got the, the original trilogy people back as many as they could. Um, At least that's my hopes, you know? Uh, I don't expect it anytime soon, um, because not because of what you said, but because it, you saw how long it took them to get Andromeda done. I was I watched three years of Pax panels of Andromeda before it was even a release date announced. So I'm not like hopeful for release date, especially with next gen hardware. Like they have their time to get used to it and develop for it and get that out. I would be disappointed if it came out next year because I would not. I would be like this game is going to be terrible.
0: So, when you say you are you thinking like 2025, 2026, three
1: or four years, I think.
0: Okay, I think they, I mean, we don't, we still have no idea when Dragon Age is coming out. Why
1: we can afford to have a different team working on Mass Effect, at least story, like give them a year They get the story, they get the plot, give them two years to develop the game as long as they don't use Frostbite. Man, that'd well, we be a great Mass Effect game, <laughs> potentially. <laughs> I I mean, it could be longer. I'm okay with longer, too. I don't want this whole thing that we're going through with all these nonsense delays and people losing Mm -hmm. their minds over it. Like, let it come out. We were told last year there are no plans to continue Mass Effect by EA. Right. That was heartbreaking, even though they put out worst game of the year. So, for me, like, that's still a universe I wanted to explore. You know what? Predator 2, not a great film, but... (laughs) Don't give up. <laughs> like you can come back from these things. Um I want more Mass Effect. I want I want more Shepard. I guess is probably what I want to say. And that's me being a little selfish and a little closed-minded on on a on a future game.
0: So that was going to be my next question. Do you think that this return is a return to Shepard and that crew? Yeah, we got
1: to pick up with Shepard and Joker and 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 Oh God, I'm forgetting names. What was the robot's name? It wasn't Eden, right? What was her name? <laughs> oh my God, it's been so long.
0: You're just you're just tired. It's okay. We just need a little like Rex back in our life and Rex, all that Alex, so Miranda.
1: Like I can Garris, like Jack. Yeah. Uh, I just can't remember the damn robot's name that Joker fell in love with. <laughs> Why can I remember her name? I kind of spoiled the ending by bringing her up. Uh, I guess all the endings are different though. Um, kind of. <laughs> thanks c a <laughs> they used to be different, uh yeah, I really I really want I don't even necessarily need all those characters to be back, I just want that same universe back, like they really just gave it up with Andromeda, and at the time, I think it was promising, but it just you know i I want them to leave that behind for me, that's selfish there's we have listeners who loved andromeda, uh, we have. Listeners who enjoyed Andromeda, I don't mean to take anything away from them, um, as far as that goes. But uh, like <laughs> hashtag not my Mass Effect. Like <laughs> I, I want, I want Shepard's story to continue. Um, and and I guess maybe I'm a little bit like the Last of Us fans in that way. Maybe like I'm doomed to not like whatever they do.
0: Yeah, I mean, you also had three, you know. I'm trying to remember how, how long these games. games. Well, I'm just saying, I don't, I don't know about that, but
1: uh, Whoa. oh yeah, L three wasn't better than two. You're right. I was, I'm <laughs> sorry. I was just I was saying, being I'm exceedingly better than
0: um, <laughs> the Last of Us, uh, but you also had like many, 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 many more hours with these characters than yeah. from Last of Us one, you know. But oh,
1: you you got me right <laughs> down. Hey, ready? Uh, Mass Effect two is better than Last of Us one and two combined. Yeah, you get you set me right up for that when, when you were saying that.
0: I don't know if I'd agree with that statement, but you don't have to You're, agree tired, with it. you're delusional. <laughs> it's coming out now. That's fine. No big deal. Well, I'll say it
1: again next week when I am fully rested. You won't even remember that you said <laughs> it. I might not. I'll re-listen to this episode. Uh
0: So. <laughs> Did you I know we had talked about that you I think had restarted andromeda again right
1: i did I did try to replay it um and I should still continue playing i just was, i tried playing it probably stupidly right before a new game was coming out, right, so I didn't give it enough time um I'm still not opposed to playing Andromeda. I'm not opposed to giving it a second chance. I know that they patched the crap out of it since I played it on release right. day. Um, but if I'm being honest, like the character animations and stuff and glitches, that's what didn't bother me about the game. It was everything else. (laughs) So it might not change, but I'm, I'm willing to give it my Joe, my friend, Joe, who is a listener. Um, he kept, you know, texting me about how much he's enjoying the game and, and that I should give it a shot. So I really think like how I treated Horizon by like telling everyone I know they need to play this game. I right. feel like it's only fair that I give Andromeda a a, a fair chance.
0: When are you gonna have time to do that? Now?
1: I have no clue. <laughs> I should have done it. I should have done it during extra life, Kyle.
0: <laughs> That's probably true because, boy, things are picking up for the next week. Here, you know, after in the next couple of days, things are gonna be picking up, and I don't think they're gonna be slowing down anytime soon. No,
1: you are probably as far right.
0: as game releases go. So, and I, it, it'd be very hard for me to try to go play Andromeda now, knowing that this collection is. Not that far away. Oh, I'm because for I would much sure rather playing go back this, play this before Andromeda, yeah. yeah. <laughs> um, but with that being said, I I think this game is a way, really long away. I think we're talking 2025, 2026, because I don't think we're going to see, and I know they're different teams, but I don't think we're going to see Dragon Age until 2022 at the earliest.
1: Yeah, that's that sounds about right
0: and then you know giving given the fact that you know, like you said a year ago EA was like yeah Mass Effect isn't coming back so how how long could they really have been working on this at this point that's true um and just thinking about how long Anthem took and yeah i think it's going to be a long time and, and part of it's like fine take your time like yeah, that's I'm cool okay there's plenty that. of other things to play you know go ahead do your stuff if that's what it takes to get the quote unquote bioware magic back uh, because i really do love the games um the Mass Effect One and Two especially were were great. I do like you, I do worry about going back to Mass Effect One now because it is a very much more RPG focused game. Mass Effect Two becomes quite a bit more action-y. There's obviously still RPG elements to it without a doubt. But it's really as we I think have talked about in games multiple times, it's about the characters. Yeah. Right? The characters are great. I really like those characters. Mm-hmm. Uh and so I want to go back and spend more time with them. Um uh, but I do think that I do hope this comes to Switch because I think it would be a really good place to play it. Yeah. As far as just being able to take this on the go, we talk about RPGs and how much t- uh, time sync that is, um, and, and being able to take that on the go. And I mean, if they were doing a specific, if they were doing a remake, I think I would probably want to play it like on Xbox or PlayStation at that point yeah. to get like the full advantage of everything. But since this is just you know the that remastered work on it, which is still I'm sure a lot. Um, I think this is something that, ah, man, maybe even I would pick up on Switch if it's there. It's a good point. Of... I'm
1: not opposed to picking it up on Switch. It might make it more accessible yeah. to me to play. And we all right. know those Switch players love to romance characters, so it's that's totally true. in their wheelhouse.
0: <laughs> that is very, very true. Awesome. So that's it, dear listener. Let us know. Are you excited for a new Bioware Mass Effect game? Do you like andromeda should we go back and play that at some time when, don't we have ask them time when there's no games <laughs> which i don't know when that's going to happen but i don't want to commit to that uh, don't yeah. do that <laughs> okay well i'm just asking do you think we should i'm not saying we're going to just do you think we should you know awesome. all is right josh <laughs> yeah all right josh so some uh prediction time yeah what news is going to be announced on monday before our episode posts on tuesday that we don't know about currently what's what's the news of the week uh,
1: I'm going to keep saying this until it happens because I, I second guessed myself and, and I should have went with my gut. Uh, cyberpunk is going to get delayed again.
0: There you go. That's a great one. That's a, I think a definite possibility. Uh, my prediction time, I was going to say that Microsoft is going to, you know, have a announced a new studio acquisition, which if, I don't know if you saw in the news, but they, um, have been talking to Japanese companies that has come out that they have officially approached ah. multiple Japanese developers, a- including Koei Tecmo. Um, to be acquired, oh. yeah. So we'll have to see how that all plays out. So I don't think they're going to announce an acquisition on Monday. I think, especially with Japan and the way Japanese government works with acquisition of Japanese companies by American companies or like non-Japanese companies, there's a lot of like hoops you have to jump through. Uh, so I think it'll be a while before another acquisition is announced. But maybe I'll be totally wrong. So I think what's going to happen is there is going to be uh, okay. They're gonna Demon Souls. Oh. Uh, review embargo is going to drop and the game, people are going to love the game. That's what I'm saying. Oh, that's yours. <laughs> I don't know what the day that, that embargo is, so I'm going to say it's Monday. It's probably like Tuesday, but that's cool. Well,
1: speaking of Microsoft, the Game Pass, did you see what Game Pass tweeted today?
0: Oh, the Mandalorian stuff? Yeah.
1: And they said. Do we think that. Oh, uh, is it? It can't even be. It has to be Xbox Game Pass. There it is. They tweeted a picture of the Mandalorian and they said. All we're going to say is that we're not posting the Mandalorian and the child for no reason, which means what? So,
0: (laughs) I mean, maybe you're going to get some Disney Plus with your Game Pass subscription.
1: Or we get all the LucasArts Star Wars games with Game Pass. Or you
0: get those. And I also, uh, they did just announce not long ago that uh, Jedi Fallen Order is coming to EA Play, which obviously is part of Game Pass. So, I mean, there's a lot of things that it could be. And I'll be honest, at this point, none of them would surprise me. Yeah. (laughs) Maybe Microsoft bought Disney. (laughs) Who (laughs) knows? At this point, they just bought LucasArts from Disney and they now own that. There we go. That's what I'm going with my prediction. There you go. That's what it is. Xbox buys LucasArts? (laughs) Yeah. Xbox has bought LucasArts. That's it. That's my prediction. Done. Kyle, you might be on
1: to something. They just released Full Throttle Day of the Tentacle on Game Pass PC and like three other LucasArts games.
0: Yeah. Which is really funny because how many years ago? Four years ago? Five years ago? Something like that. Those games were all on PlayStations, yeah. like E3 stage. <laughs> of like bringing them up to next-gen, so that's just kind of humorous. Uh, cool! Alright, Josh. With that, We obviously want to move on to our well-rounded life recommendations. Obviously, we're a gaming podcast, but we want to give you that one other thing we're currently into that is helping us live that well-rounded life. Josh, what is your recommendation this week?
1: Hey, so while I was streaming, something else important happened uh, in the country. Um, I will say leaving. I'm going to leave politics out of this technically. What I'm going to do is I'm going to say for well-rounded life, uh, whether you do it on A streaming app or even on YouTube, pull up, go pull up Dave Chappelle's opening monologue from SNL that Saturday night and listen to it. I know we've had conversations in the past where I thought Dave has passed some lines that I'm not comfortable with. Um, this is not one of those cases, but he also does the thing that he's very good at, which is using, which is saying things that are uncomfortable, but to make you think. And using words that you're uncomfortable with, but f- to make you think. And he did a fantastic job really kind of talking about this kind of whole year and what it's led up to and what this means. Um, I think it's, I think it's very important to listen to just to even formulate an opinion. You don't even have to like what he says, but I think what he says is important and, Uh, he's an African American. We need to listen to him because part of our problem this year is we, we, me as a white person can't necessarily understand their experience and he helps a little bit in that aspect. So I would say, check it out, give it a listen and you know what, if you don't like it, great, but just listen to it for me. I'm not trying to change your mind or anything.
0: Awesome. Well, there you go. Dave Chappelle, Saturday Night Live. Uh, my recommendation is a little uh, more lighthearted, I guess, in a weird way <laughs> than that, because uh, it's a TV show. It's a TV show on Amazon Prime. After watching The Boys, I decided I needed to dig more into the Amazon mm. Prime uh, log of shows because there apparently are some pretty good ones on there. So I have started watching Bosch on Amazon Prime. Uh, I didn't a, I didn't realize it was seven seasons when I started. <laughs> otherwise, I probably would have started. Uh, but it is based off of a book. Uh, and Bosch is a pretty grounded detective drama. That Bosch is a detective working in uh, Hollywood as a homicide detective, and you know it. It very much is that gritty in the sense of br- gruff detective who doesn't maybe always play things by the rules. Uh, I wouldn't say he's fully an antihero, but definitely. Um, skirts the line between what is right and what is, you know, maybe not what he should be doing to get the job done. But very, gra- but also very realistic, right? There's not ridiculous car chases. There's not these over the top gun shoots out shootouts. It's very much working a case, talking to people, asking questions, kind of doing that old kind of detective work. and, I don't know. I just find something about it very enjoyable. I really like the show. I'm only into season two, so I'm not super far off in it. And maybe it completely jumps the shark. But as of right now, if you're just looking for that, you know, down to earth, grounded crime drama, uh, I think Bosch definitely fits the bill. So I'd encourage you to check it out on Amazon Prime. Nice. So with that, Josh, what do you say we wrap this show up so you can go to
1: bed? Oh, yeah, I am so tired. <laughs> uh, thanks for joining us, everyone. In addition to finding us on Twitter and Instagram at BoardWithVG, you can find us on Facebook at facebook.com boardwithvg so feel free to give us a five-star rating over there. Also, if you want to communicate in the more long form, or you're just not feeling social media, please feel free to email us at boardwithvg@gmail.com. at gmail.com. We tag all of our stuff, yeah, with hashtag BoardWithVG. Uh, So please feel free to use that hashtag as well, so we can give that a good old search on social medias and see what you're up to. And whatever podcast service you're listening to us on, we encourage you to give us a stellar rating. That is whether you're downloading us from the PSVG feed, the Dice Tower Network feed, or our very own standalone Board with Video Games feed. Uh you can find me uh where am I? Xbox Live, PlayStation Network <laughs> at YSO Serious, S I R R I U S. You can find me on Twitch at YSO Serious. S-I-I-I S-I-I-R-I-U-S. <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> uh I'm around. I'm on the switch. Uh I'm looking for a new game to get on the Switch. Let me know, but I'm probably gonna be playing Hades for the rest of my life. Um Kyle, where can people find you?
0: So you can find me at all of the typical places, Twitter, Instagram, PlayStation Network, Xbox Live, BoardGameGeek, all at PsychoCross, C-Y-C-O-C-R-O-S-S. As always, if you have suggestions for future topics, be sure to reach out to us on the social media because we want to talk about what you want to hear about. And remember everyone, whether it be board games or video games, never stop gaming.